This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the East Lansing Insider, a news podcast brought to you by East Lansing Info and Impact 89FM. My name is Andrew Graham. We're going to be getting to Chuck Grigsby a little later in the show. But first off, I want to just say we're going to be talking about the train accident that happened on Hagedorn Road, the Hagedorn Railroad crossing, where a Canadian national locomotive and train took out power lines that were drooping down, caused some widespread outages. So we're going to be talking with someone from Comcast about that and getting to Chuck later in the show. But before we do any of that, I want to get to an interview I did with Keith Ivkovich, who, along with his wife and kids, was in the car and saw the train accident actually happen. So first, we're just going to go to Keith and break down what he saw. I guess just get to the nitty-gritty. Where exactly did you see the accident from and what, what did you see? Yeah, so have you seen the video? Yes. Okay, so that car was the car right to the left of me. So I was front row. So my wife and I and the kids, we were headed to brunch uh, at the U Club on Saturday. And we're driving down Hagedorn, you know, the the stoplight right there, uh, just on the north side of the train tracks, you know, went yellow. And so we stopped and we were stopping. And uh, we look across the street and we see that the Hannah Plaza sign is on fire. And my wife says, you know, whoa, what the heck? How'd that happen? And so we're looking at that for a minute. And then all of a sudden, we see the lights for the train crossing light up. And the bars start to come down. And uh, so I was like, oh, shoot, there's a train coming. So I ducked over and got in the right-hand turn lane. Like I was going to turn and go through campus and, you know, go under the bridge. And uh, so, but we're looking. And we look over to the left. And I think it's the the Chinese Christian church that's right there just to the north of the train tracks on Hagedorn. One of the telephone poles right there had already broken in half. And so we looked and the, the lines were swooping down right over the train tracks. Um, and that's why I assumed the Hannah Plaza sign was on fire is, you know, the electrical line got pulled out or something to that sign. But so my wife says, holy cow, the lines are down. They're right across the train tracks. And I said, yeah. I mean, there was just one cop across the street and the train was coming you could hear the horn she said what should we do i said buckle up there's nothing we can do and so here comes the train coming west to east and it was going full speed and it caught those power lines and just started pulling them right through the woods boom transformers started exploding power poles are snapping right off it's pulling those wires right through the woods ripping trees out of the ground i mean trees were flying out of the freaking ground it looked like something from a movie scene like a war movie i mean just trees popping out transformers exploding poles breaking sparks are flying everywhere then we heard the train throw its e-brake on you know and all the cars started to shudder and just started to slow down uh but by that point look in my rearview mirror and i can see the poles behind us all the way down the road had tipped over and uh, the poles, every all the lines, all those power lines, man, they were it was like spaghetti noodles all over the place. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. I was gonna say uh, it's not something. I think your reaction was kind of perfect of the buckle up. There's nothing we can do. I guess did you end up finally just cutting through campus and driving under? I guess how did if you're kind of sitting right there and then disaster sort of unfolds in front of you, how do you end up? I guess leaving that. Did you make it to brunch? I guess. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, we sat, we waited until the train had come to a full stop. And my kids were in the back seat, 
and they were like in total shock. And, uh, you know, my wife's like, what should we do? And I said, there's nothing we can do. I, you know, like these, these lines are live. They're down all over the place. You know, we're not going to go run and check on someone, you know, or go up to the train. The tracks are probably electrified. The train's probably electrified. Who knows what could be next to, to catch on fire, you know, or explode. Uh, so I, once it all stopped and it was like, we caught our breath and realized how bad this was going to be. We turned through campus and went all the way through campus and, you know, with the, the college road underpass and yeah, we made it to brunch. Uh, but it was just like, we, we sat there all of us kind of like staring at each other. I, I eventually told my kids, you'll never see anything like this ever again. This is a once in a lifetime thing that you just saw. Yeah, truly. I I've lived in East Lansing pretty much my whole life and I've never, never heard of anything remotely like that. I know the, the Hagedorn railroad crossing was famous for destroying people's suspension, but not, uh, not this. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's crazy. So we've got a, as soon as that hit, I thought, man, you know, I bet East Lansing just lost power. I guarantee our Wi-Fi is gone. So I've got a group text with a bunch of my neighbors because we live in Old White Hills up there. And uh, I just sent out a group text and said, you know, we just saw the train hit the power. Is, there, is anyone out of power? Did the neighborhood go down? And a bunch of people started responding. I'm at Whole Foods. We just lost power. Someone else said, I'm at Playmakers. We just lost power credit card machines are down <laughs> every you know get cash out of the bank if you need anything this weekend they're not accepting plastic it was crazy wow and now we're gonna get into my interview with mike wilson from comcast i'm now joined with mike wilson from comcast xfinity mike i uh, i'm not gonna pretend i know your official title off the top of my head and that's totally okay. I'm the uh, public relations director for the Heartland region, which is basically Michigan, Indiana, and Kentucky. Gotcha. So, Mike, I, I really appreciate you taking some time and coming on the pod and talking about basically what happens with people's cable infrastructure in a storm, how it gets repaired, all that good stuff. Obviously, very specific to East Lansing this week because they had a recent outage. Um, but I think it's helpful to, to try and understand the scope of the the problem, the scope of the, the infrastructure itself, and sort of how it all goes down. So I guess I want to start, Mike, first with when a storm happens or when it, when you know there's major wind and you know there's a chance of infrastructure going out, I guess what, what happens on your guys' end? Is there some sort of, hey, we're on, we're, we're looking out here, or is it kind of, hey, we got a call, let's go now, or I guess how does that work? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And uh, and depending on how granular you want to get, which is my fancy way of saying nerdy, uh, we can talk about the network too. And I'm totally good with that. I just don't want to get, you know, too deep a dive into the, you know, for your podcast purposes. But what I would say, just starting, you know, high level from my vantage point, which I would know best is uh, the first, the absolute first concern when we see storms in the forecast, uh, we get ready before the storm even hits. Uh, we kind of take a look at, you know, weather maps. We'll see what's happening. Uh, we'll see what meteorologists are saying. Uh, and then we keep an eye on that. And just kind of like, we'll warn each other. If we see something, we say something. So there's usually some emails that go out ahead of time. Hey, uh, looks like this could be bad. You know, just wanted to give you a heads up on this. Or sometimes it'll go vice versa. And our network team will notify me, hey, bad storms are coming. I uh, just wanted to give you a heads up about that, that this one could be, you know, rougher than the last one that came through, because that's the thing that's tough about these storms is, 
each one is different. So right. you never know exactly what you're going to get. Is this one going to be a straight line winds or a microburst or possible tornadic activity? Is there hail? Uh, you know, we're running into a season now where ice is a possibility. And that's terrible for, you know, the infrastructure because it just adds so much weight to these lines. So there's a lot of weather conditions that our uh, network crew has to, you know, just keep ever mindful of. But to answer your question from my vantage, after the emails go around, something hits and we start seeing reports about it. Uh, the very first thing we do is make sure everybody's okay. Are the residents okay? Are our employees okay? You know, did anybody get impacted by the storm? Because we've had people impacted by ice and tornadoes before. And that's a scary thing. So we have stuff to deal with internally first, and then externally, then we get into the nitty gritty of the network. So once we establish the employees are all okay, then we start making sure safety is always a huge top priority. So we got to make sure that our network team is staying safe. So we make sure that, you know, first of all, are we allowed in the area? Sometimes whole areas are cordoned off whenever electricity is out or power lines are down, like we saw in East Lansing most recently. You've got a lot to look out for. There is a hazard around and we have to be very careful about it. The other thing to keep in mind is that when power lines go down, power goes out. And that means power goes out to our node structure, which is part of our network. And so that would be basically the nerve center, which serves any given neighborhood or any given area that we would have. These nodes need to be powered. And if they don't have power, then they're not going to work. So it is possible for some people to have power and not have service, depending on if power to the node was taken out. And then, you know, unfortunately, then the, the network in that particular area goes out. Uh, in this case that we had in East Lansing, we had an area near some railroad tracks where there was some some pretty major infrastructural damage, and we have to wait for power to go back on so we can start doing our network assessment. It doesn't mean that we're not coordinating the whole time with power companies. You know, if there's investigators that are on the scene, if there's any kind of circumstance that we have to coordinate on, we will absolutely do that. We do it every time. And, and like we saw in East Lansing, this was uh, teamwork. And I know it took some time uh, to get back up, but it was also considering the major amounts of damage that we saw in East Lansing. Uh, I think everybody's super thrilled that we were able to get it back up and running, just like the same team did. Uh, I want to say it was back in uh, in early mid August of last year when we had so many storms roll through. You know, again Michigan, Indiana. This is you know again a geographic location which uh, does get a lot of storms, unfortunately, and a lot of wind damage, a lot of rain, sometimes ice. So we have to be prepared for all of those conditions. Right. Well, and I have to I have to imagine the uh, to touch back on the sort of weather info sharing. I'm imagining. Uh, trains running through power lines is not a frequent thing that gets shared <laughs> among no. the, the comcast hey look out this might be happening um so i do i do i think it's important to add the bit of context how this was oh absolutely a, a bit yeah, of this a is... one-off scenario yeah. yeah they don't put that in the forecasts typically so that would be <laughs> that it was it was uh, this was a, a different situation but again it could have been knocked down by anything so that's something right. that we have to keep in mind whether it's a a train we've had uh we've had trucks you know once the lines drop and then we have to notify every authority about like oh the you know, the line is sagging or this is a particular, you know, problem or could be a threat, then it's all hands on deck and we, you know, get the word out and start coordinating, you know, with local utilities, with other providers uh, and just making sure it's actually it's really heartening to see 
because uh, I know that there's probably some opinions people have about their service providers and maybe their utilities. But the way, like, you know, from my view, I get to watch everybody work together and see these coordinated efforts. And it really, like, is heartening to see the way that everybody works together because there's that one goal of, like, let's get this community, this part of the community, this neighborhood back up and running again. So it that, to me, is, is one of the, you know, the silver lining, I guess, to the cloud of, you know, whenever a storm passes through, yes, you want everybody to be okay. But the way that this team works together to make sure that this infrastructure gets back up is, I think, always heartening to watch. Yeah, I think it's very easy from, uh, I've lost power, I've lost internet before. It's very easy to be like, why are the fixes fixing faster? Why isn't it all up and ready already? But I think that, like you said, there's the safety considerations and things of, you know, if there's downed power lines and trees and a storm is still raging or something, you can't reasonably expect people to go out and start to work on that. And also that these things just take time. And I think that's uh, the the last bit I wanted to get to. And like you said, of it's this big team effort. And it's I wanted to ask you a bit, the, the scope of the work I have to imagine varies from case to case. But in something like this, where there were, I think, 30 plus utility poles that came down, plus just a lot of other infrastructure that was wrecked. I would have to imagine the scope of work here was a bit more extensive than if just power had gone out and some nodes went down and had to be put back up. Absolutely. And this is where that well-coordinated effort comes in again, because we have to be on top of our game. And sometimes we have to be, sometimes that means being patient. And, you know, you don't always want to be because you're like, oh, we've got customers out, like we got to serve them. But no, like, again, this is one of those community efforts. And it's I would also say, you know, it's one thing to look at like, you know, Comcast, Xfinity, your local utility as, you know, a quote unquote company. But don't forget that these people live in the community too. Like anybody who's out there working on these lines probably lives pretty close by. That's not to say that we don't send people from different areas when we need backup, like you were talking about, you know, when you've got 30 poles down, yeah, we're going to be pulling people from different areas to make sure that we've got enough uh, a crew and enough team and enough manpower out there to ensure that this work is getting done as efficiently as possible. That means not too many and not too little. And that's what's really tough for the, the network team to weigh out in a situation like this. And that's why, you know, whenever something like this comes up, it's like this is their time to shine and they always do. Like it's always so impressive to watch these these guys work together and, and make sure that this gets up. And that goes for, you know, all the utilities and service providers. Yeah, it's almost it's like a infrastructure emergency services almost is kind of what they do i think it is yeah kind of and it's treated as such yeah absolutely and triaged actually just the same way too we'll take a look at a situation and say okay this area is you know hit bad let's get out there we're going to do everything we can do and then we'll move that team over here so there is a lot of of moving parts and pieces and spinning plates and you know pick your metaphor for having a lot of a <laughs> lot of things up in the air Eggs, baskets, all that good stuff. Exactly. <laughs> right. Sure. Awesome. Um, that's really all I wanted to cover. We're kind of running up on the the time we agreed on, so I don't want to take any more from you, Mike. But I really appreciate this. I think this was was very illuminating and just good to get the perspective of the people who actually go out and fix this stuff a little bit. So I I appreciate you taking some time. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the time to just kind of get out and sort of share the word of what we do. And I, I appreciate your time in the podcast. Awesome. Thank you very much. It's Mike Wilson from Comcast Xfinity. Thanks again to Mike for coming on and really providing some great insight into how Comcast and probably I would think it's safe to assume some other cable providers have a similar ordeal when power goes out and service goes down. So I really appreciate Mike taking that time and giving that info. 
now it's on to the main event of the pod me and chuck breaking it all down so enjoy that and here's chuck so to finish things up here now we are back with co-host and community correspondent chuck grigsby chuck how are you doing i'm doing well how about yourself pretty good did you uh did you lose power or comcast service because of the train incident accident i suppose accident is the appropriate word for it on saturday yeah, I think accident's a, a very good word for it. I did lose internet. Uh, we fortunately had power the whole time, but I think our internet was out for a total of three days. The third day was on in the AM, so that worked out pretty good for us overall compared to what I've heard around town. Gotcha. Did you actually, were you just home when it happened or were you out and about or just kind of curious to get as many different, like where were you when it happened kind of <laughs> yeah. anecdotes? Yeah, no, I was far removed from the actual uh, incident over there. I was at home um, and uh, it just happened uh, when I was at home. And luckily for me, I have a, a hot spot. So I was able to kind of still do my thing and not have too much of disruption for my with my internet service overall. But uh, yeah, I, I heard about it, read about it, and uh, just was a very interesting accident, unfortunately, in how it kind of disrupted so much. And I got a chance to see some of the, the reporting on it. It's just, you know, mind-boggling how just that one thing took out out of different things. I was taught about avoiding railroad tracks and railroad crossings and being safe with those as a kid. I was taught about being safe around down power lines as a kid. No one ever mentioned those two things coming together because I don't Quite reasonably, they didn't think that it was a very realistic occurrence, but I, it just goes to show the absolute sort of random unluck of the draw with this kind of thing. It makes me think about a year ago or so, Eli, we did a emergency coverage simulation with um, some people from ELPD and just kind of how we would handle covering certain things. And I believe a train derailment was one of the ideas, but we didn't come up with train takes out some significant fraction of power and web infrastructure in the town. So it's interesting is weirdly enough, like you said, that's the right word for it. Um, yeah, I always thought the same thing um, as far as being a kid and power lines being down, you know, and, and with all of the uh, destruction with this, I mean, it's very fortunate that uh, at least to my knowledge, no one were, was injured or hurt from this uh, accident. So that's, a blessing there in itself. Oh, yeah. I, that's I, the more I think about it, it's I at first thought that it was very kind of very surprising that the whatever engineer and conductor or whoever on the train was all right. And then I, I went on to learn courtesy of Alice's kid that basically the train is grounded all the time and that effectively the, the engineer and whoever else is on board is pretty well protected from any risk of electrocution and that then it turns to like you know there's no people in the surrounding areas and that that was you know like you said really just a incredibly fortunate aspect of the whole thing and i think it's i've been thinking about it some and i i have to imagine it's in some part due to the fact that the power lines were already down i believe the winds had caused them to droop or a branch had fallen on them or, or something like that so there was already like an emergency crew presence in the area and traffic was kind of backed up and it wasn't like traffic was just kind of coming through as usual and then the gates went down and a train came through and all of a sudden this thing happened it was hey these power lines are already down and then oh crap, there's a train, which I think raises the natural question and one that's going to probably take a decent while to be answered is 
when was it known that these power lines were over the track when or on the track or i'm not entirely sure what to what extent they were down when was canadian national that's their that's their line the rail company when were they informed was their infrastructure i mean we know one of the signal towers got knocked down for the railroad how functional was their infrastructure for signaling and stuff like that those we just don't have answers for right now but i think that's what we're going to get into in maybe a couple weeks or months and how this really happened yeah, I think it also brings up a big question when you talk about infrastructure and the way that our system is set up. Um, I happened to have a conversation with Board Water and Light, and I asked about you know the power lines because you know when I look outside my backyard, you know I have to like navigate, you know, um, kind of my basketball stance that we have for my son and things like that, just to really make sure we're safe and when we're playing catch and all that kind of good stuff. And you know, it's something that um, I asked about and. Uh, you know, I talked about alternative power and how that, you know, works for our city overall. And, you know, it's just such a massive expense for us to kind of really take that infrastructure we have currently and put it underground. Um, because then now you're talking about another layer of infrastructure that needs to be invested in and updated um, and worked within that system. So I think, it, you know, eventually, you know, with the climate changes and some of the different things we're dealing with and these fluke accidents that we have, um, it begins to make you wonder what is the you know long-term solution when it comes to kind of how we're going to do power, how we're going to do infrastructure, how we're going to do future investment as far as our you know buildings and, and and lines and sewer and all the different things that we talked about before. Yeah, and I, I I know in our on our Facebook post, and I've dug through the comments on like the Ingham County Emergency Management and different police departments or their Facebook posts. And there was a lot of comments along those lines of, you know, can we put the power lines underground? Why aren't the lines underground? And I think that's a fair question. And I think that's definitely a worthwhile alternative to explore. But like you said, it's, it's really expensive and maintenance becomes that much more complicated when something's underground, because then it involves digging, you move that underground. And there's, I mean, there's a very realistic aspect of where is their space for it, because there's already a lot of infrastructure underground in terms of sewage water you name it building foundations everything else so i think that's that's the other discussion it's we we want to know what happened and then what can maybe be done to foolproof or or safeguard or build in redundancies and so you know we can't protect against fluke accidents this is not something i think any of us imagined would happen and that's kind of the nature of it is you you protect against everything you can expect and then something you don't is what gets you but I think it's it's worth examining what could be done and what would be worth doing to try and sort of create the redundancies and create the built-in sort of fail-safes to not have this be as extensive or, or prevent it or not be as severe. I think an interesting thing that came up when I talked with Mike Wilson from Comcast earlier was about how when there's an accident like this, and I'm sure you felt this with your internet being out, you want your service back immediately. And I've been there too. But when there's down power lines and things like that, they kind of can't send a crew in until it's safe until you know, they're not going to get electrocuted. And if power's out, they kind of can't do a lot of work anyway. So it's all coordination. But I thought that was interesting in terms of there's kind of this almost built in lag time of when the Comcast crews or the whatever cable provider, depending on what goes out, can actually get in and fix things. Yeah, I, I was, I mean, after seeing some of the footage, seeing some of the reporting, driving over there, I am a member over at Sparrow uh, Max Center, so I was able to kind of see some of it. 
after the fact. And honestly, for me, I was really surprised that we they were able to get things turned around within the three-day time frame for a lot of the people as far as power and the internet because it just seemed like it was a lot of devastation when it comes along. And so hats off to all the workers and all the people out there doing their jobs and doing it the right way and getting it up, I think, relatively fast. Yeah, and well, it was kind of interesting, too, to learn about they have these, like, nodes and that. So, like, for your, you were actually kind of a textbook example at, at your house of keeping power, but you lost service because there's sort of these different nodes that produce the signal basically to different areas. And if that loses power, you won't have service despite your power being fine. It's really fascinating just the depths of the layers and what's connected to what and how Comcast and BWL share infrastructure, but BWL fixing their infrastructure doesn't mean vice versa. You have, I'm seeing the hand raised, plus my garage door is going up and down. No, I just wanted to mention you're absolutely right about the nodes because I talked to um, a couple of local business owners and I know that uh, one of the business owners, they just got the power yesterday um, and uh, they weren't affected really, really about the internet. But then another local business had power but didn't have internet, but they weren't able to do business because all their work and system is integrated within the internet. So, you know, there's another aspect, I think, after you look at the residential part of it, the business aspect as far as, you know, business being affected negatively and losing money and I know we're coming out of this pandemic and, you know, every little thing, you know, hurts, you know, a little bit more so than normally. So, you know, I thought that was a, also another layer there that I think sometimes we forget about as far as kind of our commerce. Yeah, it's it's I think the personal aspect is the one we all go to first because it's what we all experience or of all can relate to. But that is a, a an important aspect. It's also something um, Mayor Ron Bacon, he he kind of made a similar point about. He said something about it. it's also important for, you know, families and the mental health and the pandemic. And I think that is uh, probably true for everybody to be able to go go watch their show somewhere on their own. Anything else you want to add on this? I know it's, fortunately we were both not nearby when it happened and didn't see it, but just want to make sure I uh, pick your brain fully on this. Yeah, no, I, I think we pretty much covered it all. I just think it was amazing work um, for such a fluke, crazy thing that no one got hurt and they were able to kind of do it um, in a way. I know Homeland Security, I think, was involved and Born Water Light was there and then probably some city officials. And, you know, I'm sure it was a very big collaborative effort. They turned around in quite a short period of time. So I just really am in awe of some of that type of work that gets done so fast overall. I know three days is a long time for some people. But I think it's relatively quick um, when you look at the bigger scheme of things when it comes to the inconvenience that it brought for a lot of people. Totally agree. To your Homeland Security point, I was I saw that too, and I looked it up. It's it's the Ingham County Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Management, which is basically uh, I believe some federal act designated or some something that they create a like Homeland Security Emergency Management Coordinator in the county. And I think it's the I think it's the sheriff. So it's it's Homeland Security, but it's not really Homeland Security. Figured I could uh, offer that clarity since I was curious myself. Chuck, thank you for uh, taking some time again and for for discussing this. And I'm glad you got your uh, your Internet and cable back. Sounds good. Take care. I just want to, again, thank Keith, Mike and Chuck for coming on the pod. And of course, you know, dishing as usual and talking about what has been a major news event in East Lansing. So on behalf of all of them, I'm Andrew Graham, and this has been another episode of the East Lansing Insider brought to you by East Lansing Info and Impact 89 FM. Thank you for listening. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89 FM. 
We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.